Good evening. I would like to thank all of you for coming out tonight to support the Catholic Evangelization Outreach. If you are not sure why you are here tonight, I would like to assure you that you are not alone. All are welcome. But for the grace of God, go I. I heard it said once, if you want to make God laugh, tell him what you will be doing tomorrow. <coughs> Looks like tomorrow has arrived, so let's get started. Her dad worked full-time in town, 
and Chris and I worked the bar every day until closing time. One night, late in the evening, after talking to Chris, I became very angry and resentful of her father. I felt we were not being treated fairly for the work we had been doing. I decided to go confront her father. I left Chris at the bar. I was angry, and I took it out of my little, yellow, rusty, four-cylinder car that had so faithfully gotten me through two years of college. By the time I got to her father's cabin where he lived, I made it inside the gate, I stopped the car, I shut it off. I walked a short distance to the cabin and humbly, ever so humbly, asked him to call the fire department. My little car was on fire. <laughs> Volunteer fire department came and put the fire out. Her father was very kind and provided a place for me to sleep that night. I woke up the next morning to an empty cabin and walked down the lane to the road. At the gate, I stood and looked at a large black spot on the ground where my little car had burnt to the ground. Then an artery told towed the remains away. One might think this would be a great opportunity to point in my life to ask, God, please help. No, not me. Mm -hmm. I had a plan. I was on foot and I had two choices. I could turn right and walk to the little town of the bar, or I could turn left and walk 12 miles to a bigger town with an Air Force recruiting station. I turned left. Along the way, I think someone gave me a ride. Not once did I call Christine and tell her I was okay or ask for her advice. I got to the Air Force recruiting station and it was closed. But right next door there was an Army recruiting station. <laughs> I walked right in and I found them to be very helpful to a 20-year-old, 21-year-old kid with no car and no money. They even gave me a ride home to the town with a little bar. After I signed some papers and had an enlistment date. So late in the day, I showed up at the bar, and Chris was not happy. She had not seen or talked to me since I left the night before. Wow, how self-centered I was. I had no God in my life, so how else could I be? I was the only God in my life. A few months later, I left for the service. In January, I was out of boot camp and started six months of training in Fort Worth, Georgia. I was not happy. I needed Christine. While I did not mind the Army life, I wondered if Chris would join me. I called her from a payphone in the barracks and asked her to marry me. To my amazement, she said yes with no hesitation. So we picked a date on May 28th. Memorial Day weekend. The plan was to get a three-day pass for my training sergeant. I walked into his office and told him I was getting married and wanted a pass to fly home Memorial Day weekend. He looked at me and asked, What's the matter, Freeman? Don't you have anything better to do? <laughs> While I think I want to follow this man in battle, I don't think I want to wait to him for counseling services. <laughs> I looked him in the eye and I said, no, Sergeant, I do not have anything better to do. He approved the pass. I flew home. We got married May 28th. It was also Christine's birthday.
geographically separated since I was stationed in Georgia and then later was stationed in Germany. My plan was for the two of us to spend three years in Germany. This was also the Army's plan. This created a lot of anxiety for Christine, and it showed physically and became a medical issue. After a year's worth of red tape and a lot of grief, the Army granted me a hardship discharge from active duty. After leaving military service, Chris and myself were living in our hometown of Waterloo, Iowa. I started my job as a service technician. Life was great. I was married. This gave me a great deal of contentment. We were in love and happily married. I had a long-term job I felt I could excel at. We had lots of friends and family. I had no God in my life, though. I know Christine did, even though we did not participate in any religion. On occasions when I would buy her a rose, she would look at it and almost beg me to understand why there was a God. Something so beautiful can only be created by God. Just look at it, Stephen. She was awestruck. I was accommodating at best. Yeah, that's nice. There was a time when she asked me to read to her out of the Bible, and I thought the request was weird. I did not understand the need for a relationship with God. During the third year of marriage, alcohol use was taking a heavy toll on her marriage, and neither one of us had an answer for how to change things. She was drinking a lot. I did not understand why. I was extremely frustrated. Christine was seeking help from someone who had experienced the same problem. Her name was Barb. Christine became very sick and spent the night in a Waterloo hospital. The next morning, the doctor told me that she needed to go to the hospital in Iowa City. <clears throat> the drinking had taken a toll on her body. Her liver and kidneys were not working. There was going to be a lot of complications. Barb was there and gave me her telephone number and told me to call her any time. Chris was fighting for her life. We made it to the hospital in Iowa City. Chris was in an intensive care unit. One night, I decided I needed to pray. So standing in the hospital room, I started to recite the prayer I was taught in first grade so many years before. Our, our Father, my mind was blank. This is not good. At that moment, I was so disgusted with myself. Has it really been that long since I talked to God that I forgot how to pray? Really? I left the room and I went down the hall and I found a payphone. I called Barb. She answered the phone. It was late, but I could tell I had woken her up. I told her that I tried to pray and how I forgot the Lord's Prayer. She recited the Lord's Prayer to me line by line until I could remember. God works through other people. She did not tell me she did not know God and to talk to somebody who did. She immediately said, yes. I can help you pray. If you were asked today 
if you knew God, what would be your answer? Would you be willing or able to pray with that person? A couple of days later, Christine died from liver and kidney failure. This did not improve my relationship with God or believe in God. All I could see was an imperfect world, suffering here, joy over there, sadness, pain, happiness, so random and out of control. How could there be a God? I was very angry. I was in shock for a long time and I just kept moving. I was working two jobs and staying out late at night. Life was a blur, really. I was so lonely, racing thoughts, chest pains. Then slowly things started to settle down, so it seemed. Early the next year, I quit my second job. About that same time, my mother called as she was worried about my father. His health was deteriorating. He was semi-retired at the early age of 60. He took on the task of caring for my mother who had multiple sclerosis. He had the early stages of Parkinson's. And this caused him a great deal of stress, not being able to take care of my mother. Whatever it takes is what I told my sister when it came to taking care of our parents. I believe that I could actually give whatever it takes to a situation and fix it or cure it. Some things will take more than I am humanly capable of giving. With the help of many caregivers, we took care of our parents. My father died two years later in January. Living without my father's moral example and presence led me to very poor choices. With no God in my life, these choices eventually caused me to become spiritually, emotionally, and financially bankrupt. I needed help. I reached out to a guy I talked to when Chris was sick in the hospital. She had, he invited me to my first Al-Anon meeting. I began attending meetings regularly. With the help of these people, I came to know God. Something finally clicked. Believing is seen. Believing first allowed me to see God and other people in His creation. I had accepted the gift of faith, which is a gift from God. I still proclaimed myself to be a non-practicing Catholic. Two years later, my mother died. I was 30 years old. With my new understanding of God, I could see how God took care of my parents through other people. I started to feel gratitude. I was no longer angry. In the year 2000, I quit my job of 10 years and drove a truck over the road. I drove 180,000 miles and I saw 46 different states. Once on the open road, driving down the highway, this job allowed me time to heal. I listened to music and was able to cry. Crying is a gift from the Holy Spirit. A year and a half later, I quit the driving job and was re-employed where I'd worked for 10 years before. I also 
Cedar Rapids. During the next few years, life was okay. I had a relationship with God, but I had no religion. I did attend Mass at St. Jude's on and off as a non-practicing Catholic, I guess. I eventually purchased a home in Marion. Lots of people suggested going to St. Joseph's Church once they knew I lived here. I had this really strange idea that I needed to join a non-Catholic church. I finally realized what a wonderful gift I had received from my parents. I was baptized and confirmed in the Catholic faith. Why was I trying to make this so difficult? I started attending Mass on Sundays here at St. Joseph's. I started to get to know the people who are the church by attending Bible study, the Alpha program, and many other opportunities. At first I would ex explain that I was not a member of St. Joseph's. Is it okay? I was always welcomed happily by all. All are welcome. A few months after attending church at St. Joseph's, I walked into the office one day and signed up, becoming an official member. I received my first set of tithing envelopes. <laughs> Is 
signing up for a weekend retreat for men here in town, the Christian Experience Weekend. That Saturday night on the weekend, I had the opportunity to go to confession, the sacrament of reconciliation. You sit down with a priest, confess your sins to God, and receive God's grace and forgiveness. During the day leading up to this, I had time to talk to other men who were also attending the retreat. I heard someone recall a priest saying how once you received God's forgiveness, how terrible it was to hang on to the sin you received forgiveness for. Let's think about this. God himself, the creator of the universe, forgives me, wants nothing but to love me, and I keep hanging on to my wrongdoing, feeling guilty. Part of receiving God's grace and forgiveness requires a conversion of heart, a willingness to change. I was ready to leave it all in God's hands. I had not been to confession in 25 years. The priest I sat down with suggested call it recalling the high priest. <laughs> I confessed how I denied the very existence of God. Through what I had done and what I had failed to do, both verbally and through my lack of action, indifference. Believe me when I tell you Holy Spirit was cleansing my soul that night. The tears were flowing. During the sacrament, through the priest, God asked me if I could bring another person back to the church. Was I willing? Can I do that? I said, Yes, I can. Later that night, after going to bed, I was pondering, what just happened? What did it mean to bring somebody back to the church? How can I do that? Then it hit the parable of the prodigal son. One son leaves home and comes back sorrowful. The other son stays at home and is not happy either. But wait a minute. The servant, he is there and has all that he needs and is perfectly content serving his master. God works through other people. I just needed to let go and be God's servant. He knows what needs to be done. I just need to be willing to do his will, not my will. By attending the Discernment of Charism Seminar here at St. Joe's, I learned that Holy Spirit works through us and equips us with skills to do God's work. When Holy Spirit is working through me, it gives me a great sense of gratitude, like receiving a gift. I love watching the, person, the people of this church share their gifts. <coughs> Take a moment and look around. Singers share their voices. Greeters providing hospitality. People encouraging and praying for one another. The list goes on and on. Take all those gifts and put them together. And this is truly the body of Christ. The people of this church acting as one. Just look at it. Something so beautiful can only be created by God. I was awestruck. Some of my charisms are seeking knowledge through Bible study. I'm a catechist in the youth faith formation. I work in the kitchen. It's a great way to get to know others. 
And by visiting the sick and the elderly, I experience mercy. What charisms, what gifts do you have? Are you using them? I'm going to close by telling the story about Roseanne and Bill. Mary from St. Joseph's Church here in the office called me and asked if I'd be willing to visit Bill, who was a resident in a local nursing home. I said yes and gave his wife, Roseanne, a call. She explained to me that Bill had Parkinson's and had been in the nursing home for some time. I understood and did not have a lot of questions because my father had the same experience. I started to visit him, and it became apparent how much Roseanne and Bill loved each other and the faith they shared in God. I became friends with them and continued to visit Bill after Mass on Sundays. Mostly short visits, and due to his health, a lot of Sundays, I did the talking and he would listen. He had good days and bad days. Sometimes I would see Roseanne as I was leaving. Valentine's Day was on a Sunday that year, and I went and visited Bill that morning after Mass. I told him it was Valentine's Day and asked him if he had gotten Roseanne a card or anything. I did not know what the response would be. Like I said, some days he was more aware of his surroundings than others. He said, no. Okay, he's hearing me, I think. So then I offered, I, I could go get you a card and a rose for your wife. There's a store right across the street. Bill replied, I don't have any money. I said, money's not a problem. I, I got you covered, Bill. I'm thinking, please, God, let this be a good day. The request had to come from him. He had to be the one to want it. I knew he would, if only it was a good day. When he was thinking clearly, a couple of minutes went by, and I was thinking, well, I tried. Then clearly, he said, that's a pretty good idea. Yes, yes. I quickly left the room and went to the store. I picked up a card and a single red rose and returned to Bill, who was sitting up in his chair with a food table in front of him. He was excited as I read of the card, and he was even able to sign it. So there he sat, red rose and Valentine's Day card, in front of him, waiting for his wife of 35 years. It had been such a long time since he could make such a gesture to return the unconditional love she had shown him through his illness. This was his day. I was just leaving the room when Roseanne came to the door. She saw Bill in the rose. And the tears of joy slowly came to her eyes. She turned to me as I was leaving the room, and I quickly explained it was Bill. He wanted it. He was having a good day. It's a God moment. I was pointing upwards towards God. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Bill died a few short months later. Thank you, Bill, and thank you, Roseanne, for sharing your life with me. Even though you were ill, you gave me a healing opportunity. 
I cannot cure everything. The most painful experiences can only be healed. I found that healing, with God's help, is a process of acceptance that allows painful experiences to become part of who I am. I will always be God's servant.